0: Do take a seat, it would be great if you could uh, reopen that passage we had, Uh, Matthew 14, verse 22, that's page 981. Philosopher Bertrand Russell once uh, wrote this, he said, the trouble with the world is that the stupid are cocksure, while the intelligent are full of doubt. Is that true? No, don't discuss now. We discuss a lot more uh, better things than that. But we're beginning a new series um, this morning, looking at uh, Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter, uh, one of Jesus' apostles, one of the great early leaders uh, of the church, looking at different passages from different parts uh, of Scripture on him. And this morning we're going to consider what this encounter between Jesus and Peter in a storm uh, on a lake teaches us about faith and doubt, faith and doubt, in particular doubt, the place of doubt uh, in the Christian life. Well, what is the context of this passage? At the end of uh, Matthew 13, Jesus has performed uh, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, a miracle like no other um, seen before. So you can kind of imagine the electric uh, atmosphere that would have uh, been there, the people would have picked up the signal, God's promised Messiah, he's he's here he's uh, arrived. Uh, And John tells us in his gospel that at this point, the people wanted to make Jesus march on Jerusalem, kind of political revolution. So perhaps, possibly to preserve his disciples from kind of getting infected with with that way of thinking, perhaps even to uh, set aside temptations Jesus may have felt. Jesus just clears the scene, kind of removes everyone Uh, From the situation, decisively and quite firmly, he does that. Did he notice that? Disciples are made to get into the boat by Jesus, verse 22. Crowds are dismissed, told to go home, pack up, shows over. Jesus goes up the mountain alone um, to pray by himself. And then what we have that follows is probably one of the worst nights uh, of the lives of the disciples. They begin to sail uh, across the sea of Galilee it's it's evening time verse 23 probably about 6pm and a storm strikes boat fairly small wooden fishing boat being buffeted literally battered uh, by the storms wind is against the boat it's pushing it uh, further out uh, to sea and Jesus the one who could do something about this he's up the mountain praying alone great the disciples must have thought So don't we, we get to verse 25, have a look at verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. Three points I just want to draw out about uh, doubt and faith. Three points. First is this. Do you notice that doubt arises from faith? Doubt arises from, from faith. Do you see Peter's great faith that he displays here? Yes, we're going to see Peter's doubts, but there's a lot of faith here. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you out of the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. That, that is remarkable, isn't it? That is courageous uh, faith. There's, there's something about Jesus that causes Peter to kind of step out of the boat, walk on the water during a lashing storm. The doubt that comes later, it comes out of it. It come, follows from that great step of faith that Peter makes. So often, don't they, people think that, well, doubt is the opposite of faith. Doubt and faith are two opposite things. And that's not true, is it? Unbelief is the opposite of faith. But we see here that doubt and faith, they go together. Doubt arises out of, faith, Doubt arises out of uh, the faith. I think that's how life works, isn't it? In so many situations, you think about different situations that you face. You kind of go for a job interview. Uh, You meet the interviewer. You kind of get a feel for the place, have a look around. Is this a job I'm going to take or not? And you accept the job based on what what you know. Uh, But there's many things that you don't know that you're going to get to know uh, in the weeks, months, possibly years. you don't get sacked. That are ahead. So you trust what you do know to trust what you don't know in that situation. Similar with marriage, dare I say it. So you, you kind of fall in love, don't you? You kind of get to know the person. You decide, yes, I'll, I'll marry this person. But then on the wedding day, there is a lot still to get to know about the person. A lifetime of getting to know that person more deeply, trying in vain to change them <laughs> as, the years, <laughs> as the years go by. What, what do you do on that wedding day? You trust what you do know, to trust what you don't know, don't you? Trust what you do know to trust uh, what you don't know. Surely that is the same, isn't it, when we become uh, a Christian. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're not yet uh, a Christian. Yeah, the Bible doesn't answer every question we could ever come up with. It doesn't you can't put your kind of money in and get out a nice pro-former answer to every issue that we'd want an answer on. But there's enough here, there is enough here to know about Jesus, to trust his teaching, trust his actions, trust what he did, trust supremely what he did on the cross uh, in dying for us. I can't say, don't wait for every question uh, to be answered. That is not how it works. It's not what the Bible does, but there is enough here to trust uh, in Jesus in what he's done. Jesus says, you know enough about me to make a decision. What is your decision? There's surely something here that is reassuring for us who are here as as believers, as as Christians this morning. And I think it's a really important point that we just brush, I certainly brush under uh, the carpet all the time. That is doubts are a normal part of the Christian life. If you think about it, doubt runs through scripture, doesn't it? From Abraham, to the psalmist, to, to Peter, to Thomas. Doubt, there's a rich history of doubt uh, in, in the Bible. Doubts are allowed. They're not forbidden, despite sometimes what we, what we feel. So surely we can be honest. We can be honest about our doubts. We can express them. Uh, we can talk about them. We can share them. We can pray about them uh, with each other. I wonder whether the truth so often is that we just have that, that kind of propagandist sort of mentality. So we, we put on a thin veneer of cheerfulness, of health, I'm fine, I'm good, all is well. And we, we never actually express or, or, or are honest about the things that we're sometimes struggling with. We, we put on a good face, but we're not going to be vulnerable. That is certainly the case for me. We think people will lose confidence in us. Is he sound? Should you be doing those things in, you know, in church life? Perhaps even we're critical, suspicious of those who, who express uh, doubts. What we see here, firstly, is that doubt arises uh, from faith. Real, courageous faith will carry with it doubt. So, so let's be honest with each other. Let's be more honest, uh, more vulnerable with each other about those things. Perhaps find a doubt buddy. I don't know, so talk about things Things with pray things through, I was reading. I'm not a Latin expert, but apparently, the word doubt comes from the Latin word dubiter, which literally means two, two, or being in two uh, minds. That is the position, isn't it? That Peter is in here, he's in uh, two minds. He launches out from the boat in great faith, then the doubt comes, but it comes from um, great faith. Doubt comes from faith. I think, secondly do we notice that the circumstances that we find ourselves in, they do cause doubt. They do cause doubt. Look at verse 30. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? It's not surprising, is it, that Peter does does start to be in two minds about what he's doing. He starts off remembering the key things. There's, there's Jesus, focus on Jesus, walk towards Jesus. Yes, this can be done. Wind strikes, rain comes down, boat being battered, deafening noise. There's kind of suddenly the reality of what he's doing kind of sinks, sinks in, doubt comes in. That's how it works, isn't it, with, with us. So, so you're focusing on the thing that you're trusting. All the things that you know about. Um, but the things that you don't know about, suddenly they start to crowd in. They start to kind of press in on us. They start to cause doubts. Peter, I can see Jesus. Look at him. I'm going towards him. I don't know how this is going to work, says Peter, in his mind. I've got no idea. I don't know how I can walk on water. Not normal. But I know I can do this, because Jesus is in charge. Jesus is Lord. But then, what does his mind do? It kind of goes back to GCSE physics, or whatever it would have been. This is water, I can't walk uh, on water. I don't understand the lordship of Jesus in this situation. I don't understand how I can walk to him. The wind, the waves, the noise, how's it going to happen? It's true, isn't it, that we're going to face, we do face so many circumstances uh, in life that are challenging. If a good friendship you've had for a while falls, falls apart, or serious illness uh, strikes. I oh, had that recently with a friend who's a church minister in, in Bristol, young guy in his late 30s, uh, wife diagnosed with cancer, two young children, she died uh, 18 months later. Lord of Jesus in that situation. Tough to understand the job loss, estrangement from our children. The pressure makes us shift, our, doesn't it? Our focus from what we know to what we don't know. Kind of pressures pile in. The doubt comes, comes in. Faith's not gone, but what we don't know looms at large. If you think about it, this is not the last time this happens uh, to Peter, is it? Peter later doubts Jesus. That kind of the crunch, crunch moments. Three times that he denied knowing Jesus, and the cock of course crows. Fear overwhelms him. So faith had taken him to that courtyard uh, as Jesus was on trial. But but the doubts, the unknown, the uncertainty of what could happen crowded in, uh, pressed in on him. Circumstances, they bring doubt uh, in in the Christian life. So what are the final points? I think faith with our doubts, it leads us to Jesus. Faith with our doubts leads us to Jesus. Look at verse 30, second part. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Probably a good prayer, isn't it? Overwhelmed. Lord, save me. And so, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Peter's focus had been uh, divided. He, he saw Jesus on the one hand, he saw the wind on the other. Jesus says, says, literally, you have faith. Why are you in two minds? Why are you divided in two? Probably a good question to ask. You know, what is strong faith? What, what is it to have, have strong faith? Strong faith is being single-minded, isn't it? It's being single-minded, not having a mind... That is divided in two, but being single, single-minded. You sometimes hear people say, that person's got a lot of faith. Or, um, I don't have much faith compared, compared to, to that person. That's not really what it's about, is it? Faith is about being uh, single-minded. That's what Jesus says, anyway, in Matthew 17, doesn't he? He says, all you need is faith as small as a mustard seed. A tiniest seed of faith is enough. It's not the amount that counts, it's kind of the single mindedness of it. Doubt comes when we're split in two. So, so when, when we're faced with circumstances that are overwhelming, surely the question to ask is how does the lordship of Jesus work itself out in this situation? That's what they come to recognize in this passage. Do you see that in verse 32? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Disciples came to see who Jesus is. They came to see him as Lord, even in the terrible situation they found themselves in. He's Lord of all. Isn't it the case that doubt just presses in when we we just don't understand things. We can't work stuff out. We cannot see what God is doing. We can't see how Jesus is Lord. But we see in this passage, don't we, that recognising who Jesus is doesn't happen on a great balmy sunny day. It doesn't happen when everything is going well, when, when the world is all as, as it should be. It is through the storm, through the terror of Peter thinking, I'm going to sink here, it's all over that he comes to see who Jesus is. He comes to recognise the lordship of Jesus at work. So faith is, is recognising who Jesus is, trusting in his lordship, being single-minded on him in, in the circumstances that, that we face. P- Peter learned that well through his life, didn't he? You can see in the letters that he wrote later in the New Testament, some of which we'll be touching on. He, letters that are dripping with a message of staying focused on Jesus, even through times of, of great suffering. I suppose the obvious question is, well, how can we cultivate single-mindedness? How can we have a faith that is single-minded? I, I was reflecting on this this week, and I don't think it's rocket science. I'm not going to come up with anything remotely original um, but I think we just we need to focus on Jesus, don't we? How do we focus on Jesus? I just want to suggest two, two ways uh, as, we, as we come to an end. I, I think firstly, it's certainly the case for me, we, we just need to spend more time getting to know Jesus in the Bible. It's not original. It's not fresh. Maybe you think it's out of date even. But But that is where God speaks to us by his spirit. That is... That is where we see Jesus become three-dimensional uh, as as we read about him. I wonder how well are you doing uh, in setting aside time to do that? What does what your diary look like? It is so easy to do other things to slump uh, in front of the TV. Spend hours on social media. I read these, I read this week that uh, average young person spends two and a half hours on social media each day. I think that's astonishing. Um, but understandable. But how does, how does our time on social media fit with the time that we, that we give to God? What about our work? Do we just work ever harder, that kind of hamster on the spinning wheel, just to make a bit more money or another promotion? Nothing that really is going to echo in eternity. We do anything, don't we? I do. But, but open up the Bible and just spend some time with God. And then I wonder... I wonder why is it so hard at times to be single-minded for God? Why why is it that temptations, that kind of pressures push in, they they crowd in on me? Why is it that that the kind of aggressive wisdom of the world just starts to kind of permeate my mind and makes me doubt the wisdom uh, of God? Why? It's because I'm not cultivating a single-minded faith. Uh, in the Lord Jesus. I'm not giving that a chance or all the chance it should have uh, to develop. Are we just a bit lazy to be frank? Let's, let's resolve just to put a bit more energy into getting into the Bible, getting into knowing Jesus a, a bit better so it builds our faith. Second, I just want to suggest the, another way we can do it is that we can focus on Jesus to really just plug into our life together uh, as a church to really commit um, to what we're doing as a church, to serve, to get, to get stuck into love, uh, to commit to build fellowship, to join groups. Are we doing that? Again, you know, in terms of our time, have we got our time right in terms of how we, how we commit? Because that is such a good thing to do, because we will see Jesus in each other. We'll, we'll see Jesus as we, as we serve, as by the grace of God, he changes us, he moulds us, turns us into people, That are more like uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone once told me, someone used to be in this church, it's a good illustration, that Christians are a bit like a piece of coal. So you kind of put them in the fire and they kind of glow red hot. But you take them out and they quickly go cold and and lose lose the glow. Let's just make sure we get stuck in, let's make sure we stay, stay red hot. What circumstances are we facing? Is our, is our focus on Jesus split in two? Uh, let, let's be single-minded uh, in, in trusting in the Lordship of Jesus and getting to know him better, in focusing on him. He is Lord of all. But at the beginning, the writer of the Hebrews puts it like this, doesn't he? Verse, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who ensured such opposition, endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That is where doubt comes in when we grow weary, uh, when we lose heart. What is the way not to grow weary? What is the way not to lose heart? It is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Whatever we're facing, he is that Lord of all. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for uh, this passage that contains so much that we've only touched the surface of. But Lord, we thank you that uh, it does teach us about faith uh, and doubt. Lord, we see that they are uh, not incompatible, but Lord, if we have faith, we will have that. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to uh, be honest uh, about that, where it's right, uh, to build each other up uh, in our faith, to grow together uh, as a body of believers that are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord God, please help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, help us to do those things that will help us uh, to do that that we would know and trust that he is Lord of all. Amen.